Welcome to Court Case Analysis here on Spotify. I'm your host, Frank Jimenez, and today we're going to be reviewing George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin case. Now, let's let's talk about who is George Zimmerman. Let's give some background information to this case, right? Okay. George Michael Zimmerman, born October 5th, 1983, in the sweet, good old state of Virginia. Now, he grew up with two sisters and a brother. And his parents, Gladys and Robert Zimmerman, were pretty, were pretty active in his life as a kid. There was no absence of, of fathers or any like divorce or anything so I'd say that it was a pretty healthy marriage and his dad was a veteran he served in Vietnam in the 70s he also did two tours in Korea and all of his military background added up to around 22 years specifically his last 10 years he worked for the Pentagon now George's mother was a little bit more different. She immigrated from Peru. She was a raised Catholic, and she enlisted George into an All Saints Church as an altar boy from the ages of 7 to 17. At around age 14, George had a sudden interest in becoming a Marine. Well, I guess I wouldn't say sudden. I, uh, I believe that his interest in becoming a marine and his interest in the, mil- in the military would have definitely come from his father after being a veteran now george he joined the rotc program at his middle school grace e metz now there is something i should mention there was uh, an investigation in 2012 during the incident where an unnamed witness that claims that they were close to Zimmerman and not just Zimmerman his whole family states that George had been physically abused by his mother they described Zimmerman as a loner whose family ties were cut the witness name was redacted in the police in the police report but it, it continues to describe a very violent image of the Zimmerman household. The witness goes on to say Zimmerman's mother was very strict and dominant. His mother was known to hit Zimmerman all the time while growing up. Up until this incident, he had been estranged from his family. His father did not discipline and did not stick up for the kids as they were abused by their mother. End quote. Well, he, when he was 18, he got a job at an insurance agency and befriended Ali Ann Benjamin and her husband, John Donnelly, who later became key witnesses for the defense case during the trial. George decides to start a business with a friend, and they opened up an all-state insurance satellite office. In 2005, his business fails and he also breaks off an engagement with a woman who ended up filing a restraining order against him. 
Veronica Zuazo follows her restraining order with the grounds of domestic violence. Zimmerman follows with a second restraining order as well, and both are granted. That same year, Zimmerman is charged with resisting arrest, violence, and battery of a police officer. He was not convicted on the terms of him joining an anger management program instead. What what I see here is an 18-year-old who, as we previously mentioned, was raised with a mother who would use a little bit more aggressive punishments. And maybe he didn't realize how to maybe treat a woman. He... Mo- might have tried to rely too much on uh, physical contact as he was taught as a child. Later, in 2007, he marries a she- Shelley Dean. Then, two years after, the couple rented a house at the retreat called Twin Lakes. Twin Lakes. 2011, this environment it had experienced a chain of break-ins, causing the property value to drop heavily, vandalism, and rare drug activity had been reported. I think the most important thing to note is that eight burglaries had been reported in the 14 months leading up to the Trayvon Martin incident. Now, the night of February 26, 2012. At 7.09 p.m., 17-year-old boy named Trayvon Martin was walking in the Twin Lakes retreat on the way to his father's fiancé's townhouse. He had been walking back from the 7-Eleven to buy some scales, and while he had been walking back, he was talking with his girlfriend on the phone. While he was walking, he was spotted by George Zimmerman in his SUV. George Zimmerman now calls 911, claiming that a suspicious individual had been walking around in the rain looking at the houses. As he's describing the figure that he tells the 911 officer, Trayvon Martin notices him, and he tells his girlfriend that he sees someone watching him. His girlfriend tells him, hey, you, I, I think you should run because I've been seeing all these reports about rapists and murderers and I don't want you to get hurt. So naturally, Trayvon Martin starts to walk away and then run away. Now, George, while he's on the phone with the 911 operator, he's asking them how long until an officer can get over there. And as he sees them walk away, he says, these assholes, they always get away. Then, while he, while he sees Trayvon running, he's like, he says, shit, he's running. He, he goes and starts following with his car. He tells, the, the, the dispatcher asks him if he's following him or not. And when Zimmerman re- asks, like, replies, yes, the, the, the dispatcher says, we don't need you to do that. Zimmerman ignores the request of the dispatcher. And keeps following him. Seconds later, the 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 four minute call 
abruptly ends. The interviewer, later, he, he asks Zimmerman what happened. And he, he says, he was, oh, well, Zimmerman walk, leaves the car and then goes out walking, looking for him to personally face-to-face ask him what he's doing. Then he claims that Trayvon Martin was hiding in a bush, jumps out at him, and starts beating him. They have a fight, which we do know that actually happened, a physical altercation. There was water on uh, Zimmerman's back. We see uh, blood splattered a little bit with his broken nose and later with Trayvon Martin's dead body. As they were fighting, uh, George Zimmerman claims that he saw Trayvon Martin notice his gun, grab it, and try to grab it. He instead beats him to it and then shoots him. Now let's let's skip over a little bit to the actual trial. Now, during the open opening statements, you know, everything goes as planned for the prosecution until it is time to call the witnesses. They thought what they had was a great selection, such as 15-year-old Chad Martin, uh, Sanford PD dispatcher uh, Sean Nock, and others. But what they failed to realize was how good the defense would actually be. Their first witness was uh, Chad Martin, which is Trayvon Martin's dad's fiance's son. He was the one who testified um, to tell the court what Trayvon was actually doing at that time. He's the one that asked him to go buy Skittles while he stayed at home playing video games. Next was Sean Nofk the Sanford uh, PD dispatcher, the one that told Zimmerman that he should not be following Martin and instruct and telling the court how he disobeyed his advice, which led to the fight. Now for the other witnesses, they had uh, called up Officer Doris Singleton, Officer Richard Ayala, and their final witness, which is the one we're going to focus on, is Detective Christopher Serino, the lead investigator on the case. What was very unfortunate about this was that he actually ended up being better for the defense's case rather than the prosecution. What they asked uh, detect- the det- Detective Christopher Serino was to uh, reenact or to show some recordings of his interview with uh, Zimmerman. What the what Christopher Serino went on to say about his interview, the only thing that would slightly help the prosecution's case was how uh, Zimmerman's exact words were, and I apologize for using harsh language, but these fucking punks. And that would show some hostility and uh, anger and spite. But that did not end up holding much. Because after, when they asked Serino if he, what, what he thought 
about Zimmerman, if he was telling the truth or not, he agreed with George. And he was on the side with Zimmerman, which heavily affected the prosecution's case. Now, the defense case, on the other hand, was a lot stronger and had a lot more structure than the prosecution. How the defense starts its case is with inviting and questioning an Olivia Berlin, a 21-year-old resident. She tells us a, stor a story that encap encapsulates why George Zimmerman was so adamant on protecting his space. She tells us a story about her protecting her child while a burglar is breaking in and taking all of her prized possessions. Z Zimmerman, his ideology was to keep his neighborhood safe, but the way he went about it was hot-headed, unsafe, and he wasn't educated enough to be able to identify someone, a criminal, like a cop can. Prosecution goes on and invites, or not invites, uh, they question Adam Pollock, Dennis Root, Vincent DeMeo, which is, all of them were, well, Adam Pollock was uh, the owner of a kickboxing gym, which Zimmerman worked out out of, and what he, he explains uh, Zimmerman's personality and his, uh, the way he looks. Dennis Root was a former police officer, and Vincent DeMeo was, what he was, he is a forensic pathologist. What he was trying to explain is, is how George Zimmerman was the one receiving all the beatings from Trayvon Martin. What he explains is his injuries and how they could have only been received by someone getting their head slapped on, on a concrete and receiving multiple uh, punches. Later, they bring in Gladys Zimmerman. The reason why is because they had a phone recording uh, which we could hear someone crying out for help. The problem was no one could decipher who it was. So they, they bring in Gladys Zimmerman and she testifies after listening to the recording and she says without a doubt that that is her son George. The way he is screaming, it describes to me anguish, fear, I would say terror. They, they start to bring in other family members to be able to support their argument that it is Zimmerman who is being beaten and asking and, and pleading for help. After all that is said and done, the closing arguments start. <clears throat> the prosecution sticks with the idea of Zimmerman being a hot-headed, irresponsible man who, who a teenager is dead because of his fault. The defense, on the other hand, strongly believes that he was not guilty because he was acting in self-defense using the stand your ground law that is set in place in Florida. What I think 
is the most touching and the this the saddest part of the case is the impact the trial had on society Dur during the trial and even after people everywhere on social media people took to the streets to show how there's so much racial injustice in the United States of America. People made a change.org petition signed by 1.3 million people in hopes of arresting Zimmerman. Even President Obama spoke about the incident saying, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Protests all over the states arose with the up and coming resurfacing of the BLM movement. And shortly after, we would see more cases like this, like with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and uh, and go on. This imp this 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 trial and this case had protests like never seen before. People would bring out like bags of Skittles and and bring out signs that said, "Am I also a criminal?" My personal opinion on this is that he, Zimmerman, was used his racial prejudice to identify Trayvon Martin as a criminal. And when he started to lose the fight that he engaged, he pulled out his gun and killed him. What his excuse was that, oh, Trayvon Martin saw my gun and he went to go get it. But with the position of where the gun was, it would be physically impossible for him to notice it without being able to x-ray through his skin. Now, the, the prosecution had a horrible case. They did not use the material that they could have to be able to be able to charge George Zimmerman the way that they could have if they were more prepared. But I also think that the system in the United States has a way of letting shooters, assaulters, murderers go because of either gun rights or racism implemented in the system, which we see today. Now, that's all the time we have for today, and thank you very much.